0: Welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to discuss the topic of identifying your competitive advantage. And to discuss this, I'm joined today by Burke Tigert, who's a ranch consultant from Orem, Utah. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Pleasure.
0: Well, Burke, you've had the opportunity to work in the cattle industry basically your whole life. Grew up on a ranch there, managed ranches, now working as a consultant. I'd like to get your perspective today. As you think about your experience in your career, as you think about the ranches you work with now on a consulting basis, how do you think through the process of identifying what's your competitive advantage? Or as you think about a ranch, the ranch system, how do you work with folks to help them see where there may be opportunities to drive that business in the direction they want to go in terms of profitability, uh, to have it provide the things that they want it to, uh, to meet their goals and desires?
1: Well I think there's some there are some competitive advantages that are innate to the ranch that you have and as ranchers we need to learn how to identify those competitive advantage advantages in comparison to our our neighbors or people in other regions. Then in addition to those comparative those comparative advantages or competitive advantages, we need to often create, competitive advantages for ourselves. And I like to think of think of it in this context. What can I be passionate about? What can I be good at? And what can be profitable? And those three things may not completely overlap, but we need to have a good amount of overlap between the three to create competitive advantages as we move forward.
0: So one of the things you mentioned there, we talked a little bit before we got on, is there may be situations where there may be an enterprise that actually may be more profitable for your ranch, but if you're not passionate about it, you probably better think twice before engaging in it. I guess develop that thought a little more for us.
1: Well, I think enterprise selection and enterprise choice is one of the key drivers of profitability. And uh, today, I think oftentimes on many ranches, small ruminants would be a better choice of enterprise know, sheep or goats, than our cattle. However, if you can't get passionate about sheep and goats, you probably ought not to consider them too much as part of your c- competitive advantage unless you can't make cattle profitable in your situation. If you can't make them profitable, it's not, not a very good competitive advantage. So you, you need to work within the context of what you have, but hopefully you can find something that will intersect those three areas, passion, profitability, and your ability to be good at it.
0: Burke, as you think about the ranches you've had the opportunity to manage and also consult with, when you've been asked to come into a situation and maybe a ranch is struggling, as you work with the people who are there, what are some processes you go through to think through or see the opportunities to make changes to to capitalize on that competitive advantage?
1: Well, I try to identify a little bit with the person and and uh, I recognize with them that my attraction to agriculture, to ranching in particular, was the production aspects. I, I, lo- I first of all, loved cattle production. And then later on, I got very involved in, in range management and range production. But I first did it just because I could run more cattle. And so it was still cattle production that I was focused on. And uh, now I've gotten back to where it's soil first, soil first, and then range management, pasture management, and and feed production, and then cattle production in that order. But I also want them to see beyond just production. We've got to manage economics and finance. We've got to manage marketing, and we've got to manage people. Even if there's just me and the spouse and the, and, and a couple of kids, the management of people and the way we deploy people and our self included over our tasks is very, very important. And then we've got to realize that we create relationships with a lot of people outside of our business. And those people can be helpful to our business, our banker, our accountant, our tax preparer, our equipment dealer, feed dealer, etc., veterinarian that works with us. If we allow, most of those people can be helpful to us. And so we while well, we're not managing those people, we are managing those relationships. And uh, they can help you identify your competitive advantage because they may see things you don't see. And so developing those relationships can become really, really important. So I try to help people see that. And then I I review with them a little bit some of the concepts that I got from the Ranching for Profit schools. And they they talk about three ways to improve profit. One is to increase turnover, just have more units to sell from the size of operation you have, decrease overheads, which is very difficult to do because we get attached to our equipment, our tools, and so forth. But if we can recognize what really is needful and what is not and decrease overheads, that's a a wonderful competitive advantage if we can learn to operate with minimal overheads. And then from there, gross margin, which is the total returns minus direct costs. And uh, that should help us ranch a little better. And then I like to focus on whole ranch profit, profit per acre or whole ranch profit, and not strive to improve production or even profit per cow, because that can lead us astray. Oftentimes a smaller cow making a profit of $90 per cow is way better than a bigger cow making $100 profit per cow, simply because I've got a lot more smaller cows. So, I want to look at the profit per cow, and I, I try to help people understand that and how important it it really can be to, to get away from profit per cow or production per cow, which most of us think of. We think of more weaning weight, more yearling weight, and that can really lead us down a primrose path to in, unprofitability, and it's profit per acre that we that we need to focus on.
0: Burke, as we started our conversation, you mentioned you've come to a place now where you think about what's the soil, then we're thinking about, you know, what's happening in terms of forage production, and then, you know, tracking that down to actually where we get to the animal production, but one of the things we visited about is just, as you think about your grazing resources, how do you use those grazing resources efficiently, effectively, thinking about the enterprise mix that you have to be able to adjust to, in this case, most of the people we're talking to are going to be dealing with uh, rangeland production where there's a fair amount of variability from year to year just in terms of what we produce uh, based on rainfall and precipitation. Uh, Give some perspective as you think about enterprise mixes and matching that to a ranch where there's variability in forage production. How do you think about
1: that? Well, it depends if I'm sticking with any enterprise mixes, sticking with cattle in a mix of yearlings or cows and calves or yearlings only or, or what, but if you're thinking in terms of using the small ruminants and that sort of thing, I like to consider them all. But most of the time I spend talking with cattle operations. And uh, when I look at that, there are some wonderful advantages to choosing the correct calving season. And that most often is later than what most people use as their calving season. And they use that early calving season because they want to wean a bigger calf. But bigger calves at weaning time always come with costs. We need to check what those costs are, Uh, winter feed costs. You know, the minute a calf is born, the nutrient requirement for mama almost doubles, not quite, but it comes pretty darn close. And do we provide that, you know, from our fed feed, from having to feed them until green grass starts to grow? And so... We've got to ask ourselves a whole bunch of questions in the selection of the calving season, and then our enterprise choice might have quite a bit to do with that. Let's say we, instead of running just all cows and calves, we calve later and we keep the calves over to yearlings. What competitive advantages might that give you? First of all, if if the yearlings basically just cream the best grasses you have, the best feed you have, and make excellent rates of gain, then you have good winter feed left over for, for dry cows behind that. Or you can alternate years. The yearling's on one pl- part of the ranch one year, cows and calves on the rest of the ranch at another year, and just alternate how you use that. And that won't be a, a perfect fit, because alter- the cows and calves are going to need more acres than the yearlings, but you can shake that up so that your ranch productivity overall is just better. And then you, you have two other advantages. Yearlings are going to turn grass into dollars better than cow-calf pairs are in almost every situation and the other thing is you don't have to keep the yearlings if you're in drought you build in some good drought flexibility without having to cull on the cow herd quite so hard if you have a drought year and you can react quickly you don't have to wait you don't have to find the animals you want to cull You you can just get rid of the yearlings when you need to get rid of them so there's some real advantages there too
0: As you think about the input side of the ranch, and you mentioned direct cost, thinking about where we spend money. Again, as you think about ranches and you think about competitive advantages, how do you think through where do I make an investment into a cow herd? And how do you think about the dollars that you spend?
1: That's a difficult question to answer. And I I probably want to go two routes with the answer to that. I have become such a believer in soil health and good grazing that Some of the first dollars I'm going to spend are going to be on stock water development and fencing, because if I have stock water where I need it, oftentimes I can increase my stocking rate overall simply because I'm now accessing feed that previously has been just too far from water to get very good utilization of it, and I increase the uniformity of that grazing. And then if I can break my ranch into smaller pastures, and may I even call them paddocks, and I graze for a short period of time and then allow very lengthy recovery times, so that every plant or most every plant gets a good chance to regrow and get at least right to the edge of reproduction or maybe into reproduction. And so you're producing more feed. And my experience is telling me that it's with good grazing management, you can as much as double carrying capacity and even go beyond that. And so those dollars are dollars well spent, and it doesn't take an awful lot. I think oftentimes people get carried away and and think it's going to cost a lot of money to do that. The, the stock water development is going to be a little bit expensive in some ranches, but it doesn't have to be terribly expensive. And then fencing is, is almost immaterial. Hot wire fence, a single hot wire does the job in most cases. Unless you're talking about small ruminants and then you probably need two hot wires. They're cheaper to install and lots cheaper to maintain. So that's one aspect. Uh, that's where I want to probably spend my money in the big sense. Now in the small sense, when I'm working with gross margin and it, you know, I'm, I'm saying, okay, oh, I'm going to spend money and I need to get more production to pay for that money that I spent. And let's just take, for example, a feed supplement as a case in point. A feed dealer comes and tries to convince me that his feed will give me so many more pounds of gain. And that I can sell the gain for so much. Now they're always going to tell me I can sell it for the market, but I can't. The value of gain is never the market price. You need to understand that. Because as they get heavier, you sell them for less per pound. And so you've got to factor what is the value of gain. But then I want that gain be worth at least double what I pay for the input. And some people might say, well, why do you need it to be double what you pay for the input? And the reason I want it to be double what I pay for the input is twofold. First of all, oftentimes we miss our we miss our estimate. We, we're not very good estimators. We're feeding this supplement for the very first time on our ranch. Will we in fact get what we projected? And I want to have a nice cushion there in case we don't. Then the other thing is, animals tend to get addicted to the supplementation that they're getting. And if you have to withdraw that supplementation, their performance is going to fall a little bit because they've they've been dependent on it. And then what if the price of that supplemental feed that I've been feeding doubles or triples in cost? And I need to withdraw it. What's going to happen to my production in the meantime? So, I looked at two things. One in the in the big picture, the aggregate, and that's grazing management and and costs put into that to get it started and going. And two, the day-to-day operations of, or uses of uh, of direct costs. And most of the direct costs with with our cattle ranches are either feed or vet, and a few marketing costs. Those those are the direct. Almost all the rest of them are overheads, and overheads are people and their tools and equipment. Or land and the things attached to land. Now we've got to have overheads, but if we can learn how to manage those well, we give ourselves real nice competitive advantages.
0: So Burke, if you have someone call you and say, "Hey, I'd like you to come visit me. I'd, I'd like to get your perspective on our operation," what are some questions you ask them, or questions you would encourage them to ask themselves as they think about what can we do to identify how we can be more competitive, how we can be more profitable?
1: well questions i you know it's really nice if you can get them asking the same the same questions that that i want to ask but i think questions they need to ask are uh, or that i want to know is again what what are what are your enterprises do you have things other than cattle do you have do you have sheep or do you have goats or do you even have pastured poultry for example and if you're just cows Just cattle, just cattle operation. Do you you keep your calves over as yearlings or do you not? How do you market the things that you produce? And how do you visualize marketing? How many of your heifers, for example, do you expose to the bull? And would there be a competitive advantage if you were to expose most of them to the bull and see what got pregnant? And would that be a nice step in selecting for better fertility, especially if you only expose them for a very short period of time? And the open ones become good feeder animals, and the others become, they pass at least the first test of being a good brood cow. You'd like them to rebreed. Now, the reason I suggest that is because one of the most undervalued products we have on a ranch is a heifer calf. Compared to the steers and everything else, they're typically undervalued. And the most overvalued thing that most of us don't have but could have is a bred cow between four and six years old. And so if we put a lot of bred heifers into the herd and they're somewhat undervalued and if we can keep our development costs reasonable and then sell bred cows between four and six years old and they're almost always overvalued, you can make yourself a pretty nice little profit on those animals doing that. But it takes a change of mindset to see the competitive advantage you might have there. And there are many ranches that can easily create that kind of a kind of an advantage. And so those are some of the things I, I want to look to. So marketing. And then what is your calving season? And why is that calving season when it is? And do you recognize the cost savings that would come with later calving? How do you optimize that calving season so that you don't go too late and rebreeding begins to suffer? Because you're breeding cattle and when the grasses are starting to go dormant, they're not as good. Uh, how do how do you optimize that calving season time? So just those those kind of questions. How much feed do you feed? Fed feed? And is there a way to get from to get to less fed feed and more grazed feed? Could even hay ground be converted to pasture ground? Or could perhaps you even forget haying altogether? and buy the feed you need to feed and run more cattle because now you're pasturing more of your ranch, even maybe the irrigated portion of your ranch. And I don't know the answers to these for each individual ranch, but those are questions you want to ask to start thinking about, hmm, what would be best? What would be most profitable in our operation? And the examples I've just thrown out are changes that I've watched a lot of people make to their economic
0: advantage. Burke any final thoughts that you would encourage people to think through as they're maybe evaluating their operation thinking about what could we do different what could give us a competitive advantage. Well,
1: I think the final thoughts on that are what is your calving season and can that can you get a competitive advantage there what is our grazing management and is there room for competitive advantage there and I'm going to suggest that there is in almost every operation. I don't know that I know a single place of all the places I've worked with that feel like that they've they've achieved everything they can with their grazing management. The best of grazers know that there's still room to go for for better for better grazing. And are your cows adaptable? Are they are they adapted to your management to your to your uh to your situation? And I this is not a very nice thing to say, but I am going to suggest that most ranches buy bulls that bring to their herd from an adaptability standpoint, the very things that they're culling against trying to make their cow herd better. We bring in more calving problems. We bring in infertility. We bring in cows that need to be fed a lot to uh, to get through winter in our environment. We just, we add things through the bulls that we purchase that aren't what we need to have good adaptable Low-cost, low-input cows that can thrive in our environment with good fertility rates and raise, maybe not the best calf in the world, but at least a very acceptable calf. So those are the kind of questions I like. To, I think people need to be asking themselves. And how do how do we get from where we are to there?
0: Well, Burke, I'll just add one other thing that I I've learned from you. It's been almost twenty-five years ago now. Is are you a learner? Are you willing to go out and? continue to be inquisitive, go find information, go seek out opportunities, visit with people who are doing the things you're considering. I think probably the greatest competitive advantages for most folks is what's sitting on top of their body. It's in their head. It's how you think about things and how you approach it. And I I appreciate the thoughts you've shared with us today and uh, your perspective.
1: Well, thank you. And you're right about that one, that last one. That guy kind of knocked me off my thought processes years and years ago when I was a graduate student. And just taught me that everything we did at the Tykert Ranch wasn't necessarily always the best way to do things. And there were a lot of ideas out there. And ever since then, I've just tried to be a sponge and a lifelong learner.
0: Burke, thanks again for your time today. Really appreciate your perspective, your candor. And uh, thanks for giving us your thoughts on, from your perspective, what competitive opportunities are for ranches. Well, for more information on the topic that we discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you can find a number of resources on the topic we discussed. And again, if you'd like to find more information about the article we discussed, that's in the March issue of the Beef Watch newsletter, and it's titled Identifying Your Competitive Advantage.